Hello and welcome to the Pints and Penalties Scottish Football Podcast. I'm Rory West and on the podcast this week I'm joined by Harry Tremaine. Hello everyone. And that is all. Uh, season debut. Um, how did you, did you catch the pod last week, Has Did you listen in to what we had to say or did you just ignore us? Um, I, I did listen to it. I did listen to it. It was difficult because, you know... Um, I I wanted to be there for the season preview. They're always the ones that yeah you, you look forward to actually because there's always outlandish um, predictions, things to, to point out. I, no one's blown up in your face already, Rory. So yeah, um, but yeah, uh, I did listen to it and um, obviously gutted I wasn't there, but good to to get going and have some action to to properly delve into in the league. Be quite funny going back into like older ones and find out some of the garbage we said. I think it might have been the start of could be sixteen seventeen. I think we all rec- it was like us three and Mikey and what recorded in Christie's kitchen, and there was probably some. No, in fact, there's definitely that's what one where Christie said that Scott Bowden would score like fifteen goals for Inverness or something, and I'm pretty sure he was gone by January. <laughs> Yeah. Glad that I missed out on that because I definitely would have pulled out something very silly. I just tried to play it too safe last week, I think, and just named very average shouts that probably wouldn't get me in too much danger towards the end of the season. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll get going. We'll, what we'll do is uh, is look back on the first weekend of the, the Premiership uh, season. Uh, we'll start off with the evening game from Saturday where Hearts beat Celtic 2-1 at Tynecastle. The unveiling of the, the championship title flag at Tynecastle, even though they seemed very reluctant to lift that trophy last season. But hey-ho, um, it was a good... At least at least they've got the pyro out at Tynecastle. They're paying for that, unlike uh, WWE used to. That's what... Two and a half minutes in, and I've already made a reference to wrestling. But anyway, um, pretty entertaining game. Like uh, Celtics woes continue. Um, what did like, if we just start with? We probably should start with Hearts, but I'm gonna focus on Celtic to start with. What did? Uh, what do you make of their performance? As uh, I mean, you summed it up really well before we. Uh before we started recording and it, it's it's hard to identify what it is that Postacoglu is actually looking for from his team because again it's similar to last season in, in large parts under Lennon they had you know just loads and loads of possession obviously I think it's what 74% in the yeah. end um, but they didn't really again open up parts from open play as I said to you a lot of corners were kind of the source of most of their chances. Um, obviously, having said that, the goal they do score is from open play, and it, it comes from Ralston kind of breaking from position um, and a bit of static defending from Hearts. But yeah, it, it, it's it's hard to know exactly what what it is that Selig are trying to do, what their game plan is, and, and how it is that they want to play. Obviously, it's early days, and you don't want to 
come down too hard on on teams, which is what we kind of had said <laughs> before we started recording. But as a Celtic manager, and yes, Tynecastle is a difficult place to come, but they're a newly promoted side. At the end of the day, it, it's a place where you need to get something from the game. And despite dominating possession, I wouldn't have said they were on top really um, in terms of chance creation. Uh, I thought it was quite even. Hearts created some really good opportunities for themselves and were well worth the win, in my opinion, but at least a draw. Yeah, I think for for the goal anyway, you know, as you said, obviously comes from open play, but it's a bit of a, it's a weird one in that it, it's a good goal and it's a good run and finish from Ralston, but it's just a bit odd, if you know what I mean, that is a player that you just wouldn't really expect to pop up in that position. It's not as though this goal's come from open play and it's a really um, well-worked move, I guess. it's it's it, That's weird to say that that when it's, it is a good goal, but I'm just not sure that that's uh, an indication of what they're going to be doing. Just a bit of... Yeah. It doesn't feel like it was by design. No, no. It just no. feels like one of those kind of... Uh, intangible things that happens through the course of a game so yeah it's hard to tell exactly if, if uh, Postacoglu's got the right the right uh, game plan to tackle this mess of a Celtic squad at the moment yeah I think what I'm trying to say is I, I don't expect that you'll be seeing the Celtic fullbacks coming in field and scoring goals like that very often this season um, probably the only time you're going to see that who knows, could be proved wrong and Postacoglu's got this new inverted wing-back system um, in, in his plans, but um, <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. But yeah, obviously Hearts took the lead early doors um, through Gary McKay-Steven and just, if if you were a Heart supporter and you're thinking, right, first game of the season is going to be pretty, well, regardless of Celtic's results so far in Europe, it's probably going to be a pretty difficult game um, because this Hearts team hasn't had much work done to it from the side that won the championship and you couldn't have asked for an easier start uh, than, than Celtic offered them. Just calamitous defending. Um, the, the, positionally, everyone's all over the shop. Baines, so... He, he looks like a goalkeeper. I know he play, he's played... so Well, he played the second leg against Midland. Be looked as though looked like a goalkeeper there that hadn't played off and was just too eager to try and get involved. Um, just a, a, an awful goal to lose so early on in your first uh, first league game of the season for Celtic, anyway. Yeah, and, and the other thing as well is that it comes from an opportunity for them to, to break forward or at least steal possession of the ball because it's a slack pass from Suter initially and then he gets it back because McGregor's touch lets him down and then yeah it's pretty incisive from Hearts um, maybe a, a hint of luck in terms of Janelli up against uh, Starfelt gets uh, a favourable bounce of the ball and then but from then on the, the Celtic defence is just all at sea Ralston comes way infield and there's two guys at the back post and, and Boyce actually almost completely misplays and miscontrols the ball and, and lets the chance slip. But yeah, um, I mean, there's no cover for Ralston as well. And that's the other thing where 
it, it seems still dysfunctional in terms of within the system. A bad ad. I mean, I don't know if um, I don't know exactly where he's positioned because you can't really see him there. But he's nowhere to be found uh, in front of Ralston, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's a nightmare start from a Celtic uh, standpoint. But Hearts. Yeah, exciting for the fans as well to see that style of play against Celtic. It's what you need. You need to be, uh, you know, uh, cutting when you get the ball quick. Um, and and they were. And Mackay Stephen coming up with the goods is is a promising because he's a guy who is extremely hot and cold. But yeah, yeah good start. Yeah, that we mentioned that last week. We were sort of questioning this heart squad and saying it's unusual to see the well lack of uh, players coming in because that's something that hearts are never really known for they like bringing in plenty of bodies and we kind of pinpointed Mackay Stephen in that there's not an awful lot of um sort of wide players in the squad beneath him and given that he can be well the last time we saw him in Scotland anyway he was pretty hot and cold and he's a couple of years older now how's he going to be now these days but it's a good start to the season for him um but yeah hearts they had a couple of chances after the uh after they opened the scoring but as you said in terms of celtic a lot of them just coming from set pieces as well um neither team really neither team really broke the other down very often until well i guess celtic do it late on where well we'll get to that but um, yeah, and we've already sort of touched on the goal and it's just such a weird, weird thing to pop up and um, do you reckon Hearts will be, dis- I think Halliday could do better with uh, his attempted tackle and Ralston, he's a bit sort of, for someone who you wouldn't expect in this game anyway, he was a bit sort of um, passive in that moment anyway. Yeah, it was quite passive uh, and then, uh, who is it here who, it kind of comes out to Ralston and it's again quite half-hearted there at the back. Uh, I think it's, I think it's maybe, is it Kingsley? I'm not sure. Or it's Cochrane back there potentially. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of half-hearted challenges where they look like they just don't want to, to give away a, a free kick on the edge of the box. Um, and, and maybe, maybe subconsciously think, well, Tony Ralston is not a major goal threat. Um, but yeah, that's that's obviously a mistake. But yeah, it's it's a bad goal to concede uh, from a defensive standpoint because, as you say, I think Halliday's got a good opportunity to to get a foot on that ball, at least kind of delay the attack because it's it's decent link up play in fairness to Edouard who seems to like coming deep or has been instructed to come deep uh, in this this system and uh, good link up play from a Celtic standpoint. They'll be they'll be happy with that because. Um, I mean, you need, you need in the modern game to obviously get your fullbacks involved in attacks. And uh, Ralston, it's a big assignment for him. He's, he's never really been entrusted with too many games in the league. And uh, obviously, to, to get a goal is, is big for him. So at the time, would have felt like Selic have, have maybe clicked into gear, but it, it didn't really materialise that way. Yeah, that's kind of what I was hinting at. And the, the, the goal just is a bit... Um... Yeah, as you said, not really by design. You'd have thought, right? Okay, we can maybe if we realise we can get bodies inside. If we can make sort of yeah inward runs, 
we can kind of get at the the Hearts midfield through the middle of the pitch, and they just didn't really follow up on what worked so well for the goal. And I thought when Nielsen made his, this the sub in taking Mackay off, Stephen off rather for Peter Haring, that was maybe him saying we'll, we're probably happy enough with a point here. Celtic were kind of on well, we're on top in that, that period of the game, but another set piece. Uh, is the the downfall for for Celtic here, and I think there's got to be questions asked about Scott Bain's position, and I don't know why he's parked himself just in the middle of the six yard box when the 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 cross is pretty much landing in between the the well the penalty spot and the six yard box. It's just it's not as though he's even in that position because it was as if it looks like he's going to come for the ball. He's just sort of waiting there for the header I just don't understand why he's so high um, and as as much as Suter's managed to find himself free in that area which shouldn't happen if you're looking at it from a Celtic point of view I think the goalkeeper has just done done his, uh, his defence zero favours there Yeah it, it, it reeks of a goalkeeper who well he's, he's absolutely low in confidence he doesn't He's never really looked too comfortable in the the Celtic shirt between the sticks, and uh, yeah, I don't understand his position there because it's it's quite a quite a pacey delivery. I mean, he's, I don't think he's ever going to get there. So if he if he thought about coming for it, that's just completely incorrect. And yeah, uh, to be honest, the header itself is quite central. So if his positioning is better, I feel. He would have had a, a reasonably comfortable save to make, but um, the way it kind of loops over him, it's just not not possible for him given his positioning. And at the end of the day, that's what that's what's cost them, and that's what's forced them to go looking for a, a new number one, which <laughs> we'll maybe discuss when we get to the end of the game. But yeah, I thought that that change that you mentioned there with Haring coming on. Um, Hearts had already sort of retreated into more of a four-one-four-one type of shape, and it didn't really suit them because, um, you know, Celtic's forward line does like to to move around a little bit more, and obviously with Olson Edouard vacating the space in behind, it was giving them more opportunities. Um, but it was obviously an attempt, like you say. I think Nielsen kind of took a pragmatic approach we would take a point, uh, like you say. Uh, and it just so happened that Celtic's vulnerabilities defensively, and particularly set pieces and a lack of command at the back, cost them. Mm. And from one goalkeeper to the other, Craig Gordon saves the, the day in the end for, for Hearts. A really good save from James Forrest and then an equally good save from uh, the, the resulting corner. Um and there's obviously those the sort of points brought up that oh, Celtic let him go and stuff like that, um, but that's something I don't really want. I just I don't think there's an awful lot of relevancy to it. Um, they would have been fine to keep him around, and I guess should have in hindsight. But at the time, I don't think anyone was really up in arms that that they let him go. But um, yeah. A really good win for Hearts, obviously. Follow up with uh, a trip to St Mirren next Saturday, which is it's a another test in itself. That's sort of 
it's one of those it's one of those fixtures where you've come back to the top flight and you need to sort of adjust yourself to these different games if you know what I mean you can it's 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 I wouldn't say there's like no easy games in the top flight that's a cliche that's a load of nonsense at times but I guess if you, if you look back on it this is the fixture that essentially relegated hearts back in 2020 so it's a tough challenge going to be a pretty stuffy St Mirren team that it just offers different challenges for Hearts, but um, for Celtic, they, they obviously play in Europe on Thursday, um, and had I just I don't really know what we'll touch on their their transfers now and bringing in Joe Hart, and James McCarthy, um, is it both free transfers? I assume it is. I, don't, I, don't I, really... I think it must be because I'm I'm not sure about uh, McCarthy, but. Certainly, Joe Hart is. I think Spurs were just happy to uh, get rid of his his wage yeah. <laughs> uh, off the bill um, because it, it would have been pretty substantial. I'm just trying to find out about uh, James McCarthy. I think he was actually but, a free agent, but I'm not. Was he? I, I no, he, he might have been one of the many players that were kind of out of contract at uh, Crystal Palace. I think. Yeah. In fact, yeah, you're absolutely correct. He was a free transfer. Um. I'm assuming, well, I, I, I suspect that Joe Hart's probably going to go straight into the team on Thursday night. Um, McCarthy, who knows, the guy's probably not even fit. He's probably signed injured or something, knowing his track record. I don't think either transfer or either signing, especially given the length of contracts, make an awful lot of sense. Does Celtic need another centre midfielder? Probably not. <laughs> Especially an aging, injury-prone one, um, Hart. I don't know. What what what's your take on that one? Well, I've been pretty vocal that I I think that Joe Hart coming in as a number one. If you're looking at transfers only from name value alone, obviously, um, many years ago, Joe Hart was a, a a very good goalkeeper. I actually was a big fan of him when he was number one for Man City, but. Since then, he's absolutely fallen from grace in terms of his career trajectory. Um, I mean, we were discussing it. The last time he was a number one, I think, was when he was on loan at Torino. He had a a terrible time there. Um, I think you said to me that he ended up being number two by the time he left, which, okay, maybe he he didn't adapt to uh, a different country. Uh, Communication could have been an issue. You could make that argument. Went to Burnley. He was the third choice goalkeeper there. Don't think he really got a look in. Went to Spurs for last season. Was the number two, sometimes even number three, because they had Gazaniga as well. Uh, came in for a few Europa League appearances and others. He only got five clean sheets in in ten games. So not only has he not been playing for a number of years now regularly, he also hasn't been near the level he once was at for even longer than that um, so it's not one that convinces me I, I imagine he probably still commands a pretty substantial wage I think it's only 15 and, grand a week he's on so it's not it? breaking okay. the bank for Celtic but I mean it's not cheap what? And, and did you say it was three years? he's three yeah McCarthy's four three years at the age of 34 I mean it, it is a big risk because who knows if it'll work out and then you could be lumbered with Joe Hart because 
he's not going to have too many takers left if he fails in this uh, this transfer. And then McCarthy, like you say, I mean, injury the injury record is not good. Um, I think he's a very good player or a very solid player, and I think it'll be really good for Selic if he can get himself consistently fit. But that's obviously a big issue for him. Um, and again, it's a four-year deal for him, so that's, that, I don't really understand the thinking there. It doesn't seem like they're they're thinking about the long term, and it just continues this mess that seems to be going on at Celtic, where they've got again. I think they've got players there who don't really want to be there. They've held on to for too long, and yeah, it's it's a problem. And obviously, the longer they go on without a positive result under Postacoglu it's only going to get worse for them yeah Dundee at home on Saturday so that's um, I mean it's an easier fixture for them but it's again if you fail to pick up a result there then there's serious trouble Um, but we'll shift on to Sunday now where probably the game of the weekend took place between Motherwell and Hibs where Hibs won 3-2 3-2 coming from 2-1 down to win that at Fir Park um, a few I don't think either of us last week would have pinpointed um, Van Veen as a, a guy who's going to pop up with goals for, for Motherwell this season he, he opened the scoring for them with a pretty decent header and a, he had a decent game all round although as, as we kind of, as speaking to you before we came on and wouldn't get ahead of myself with this one just just yet um, I'd need to see a wee bit more from him before I can make a final judgement whether this guy's going to prove successful but despite the defeat I think there's certainly some positives Motherwell can take from this it's not as though they were beaten by a bunch of mugs on the opening day No absolutely I mean Hibs were in uh tremendous form the back end of last season obviously finished third it's a difficult game for them and obviously it's the first game of a a full season hopefully (laughs) for Graham Alexander I know Jamesy's got thoughts on that Um, and I think I think like you say there were positives I think that um, in terms of going forward and getting their fullbacks involved. Jake Carroll obviously picks up two assists on the day and it's a really good cross for that opening goal uh, from Van Veen. Um, you know, there's a bit of continuity in the back four. Obviously, Carroll wasn't necessarily a starter, but Lamy and Mugabe and O'Donnell obviously were more regulars. Uh, so that's good. I always think that it's better when you're not making wholesale changes there, which other clubs that we'll get onto have. But I thought Carroll going forward was really impressive. And I thought the midfield blend is, is quite solid. I like I, I like that starting three that you had with Slattery, Don, uh, Donnelly and Maguire. Um, but defensively, again, there's, there's serious frailties, which... Um, I mean, on the flip side, Carroll is, is one such point to, to get a touch on there. And Lamy as well, not not exactly had the best season last season. Didn't seem to start off very well this campaign. But also, I mean, it has to be said that Alex Gogic was back at his very worst um, <laughs> in terms of him defending because both of Motherwell's goals uh, come from, well, 
he's he's heavily involved in a negative sense. Yeah, I think we we touched on it last week that Motherwell going into this season with Mugabe and Lamy as their starting centre half pairing probably doesn't bode too well for them. Um, I think they have they have brought in a, a new centre back. Uh, I think I can't remember his surname. Probably should have looked that up. Uh, Finnish international. I think he's thirty one, thirty two, but I th- believe it was just a wee bit too early for him to. Uh, to... I think it's is that it? Is it? Uh, as he was on the bench yeah. then. Juhani Ohala seems to be that chap. Um, I think once they can get this guy fit, he's probably going to take the place of well, I'd assume Lamy, but you can probably take your pick. Um, Hibs get themselves back in the game through Kyle McGuinness, a guy that, despite what's rumoured to be a decent fee that they paid for him last season, didn't see an awful lot of action. I think it was injuries hampered his, his campaign a fair bit. Um, but it's just, I think it's going to be, as a goal, that Motherwell will be fairly disappointed to concede. I think everyone's pretty static. Even O'Donnell as the as the captain doesn't really take much authority in that penalty box and just lets McGinnis float in right in front of his nose and just yeah a a poor poor goal for them to concede. Um, but then they they get themselves back ahead. Um, Defensively mm. as well when the ball comes out to McGinn um, initially, and that's what that's what I was kind of um, getting at. Like that back four is so congested over to one side, and yeah, it's, it's actually quite easy to get into that position for Oops, But yeah, um, like you say, they immediately then retake the lead. Yeah, about ten minutes or so after through Maccabi, and yeah, there you go. Um, Alex Gogic not really doing himself any favours there, just letting his man run free. I don't think he's got any idea where Mugabe is at any point, I don't think. Um, clearly, pinpoint to mark him just doesn't doesn't do his job. Um, and it's, just let him stand on his shoulder, and I, I don't understand that because... Well, it's just defending fundamentals. Mm. You know, you need to be touch tight to your man. Um, I mean, it's not not massively high line, but still, you know, kind of um, ahead of the penalty spot. So there's space for Mugabe to move into. Um, it, it's just brainless defending, unfortunately, from from Gogic. Uh, kind of reminiscent of his old Hamilton days, um, and it's it's actually just an easy goal for Motherwell, really. So I, I think uh, Jack Ross would be furious with this goal, particularly, and it would have been even more so had his his side not actually came back to win. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's, it's again, it's only one game, but if this is sort of form that Gogic is <laughs> pulling off, then it might be worth Hibs looking for an upgrade in the market if they can find one for a holder midfielder um if they're wanting to well solidify themselves as the, the third best team in the country but perhaps do a little bit more um do you reckon that's a pen in the in the first half from Carol on the Guinness yeah I kind of went back and forth on this for me I think it is a penalty because um 
it is not shoulder to shoulder, which I think maybe the referee's view he, he maybe thinks that, but it's definitely more a, a kind of um, shunt in the back on McGinnis. And for me, yeah, he's he's knocked him off balance, and yeah, I think that's a penalty. that's enough for a penalty in my view, anyway. Yeah, I thought it was a pen. I just think it's it's really it's it's really really reckless and it's really poor all round. I think from the well, three of the back four, um, Lamy gets drawn in so easily. No one really covers for him. Mugabe comes flying into a tackle, doesn't make it, and then Carroll's kind of caught out, and that's why he has to make that sort of barge and pro. Yeah, they are fortunate to get away with that but Hibs were to equalise in the second half through uh, Christian Doidge and a lot of this goal comes from uh, from really top play from Kevin Nisbet probably him at his well he, he doesn't score but uh, him at his best just such top class striker play from um, from Nisbet here yeah that, that initial touch he takes is like I don't know why, it just gives me a feeling of like, he's so, he's far too good to be playing against this level of opposition in terms of the defenders he's he's directly up against. It just, he looks so composed. He looks, yeah, like a a man against boys in that Mm. particular uh, interaction there, but obviously hits the post. I mean, it's a decent effort. And then Deutsch, he's got a good uh, nose for those sorts of goals and uh, slides it in but yeah Kevin Nisbet obviously uh, didn't score in the game but caught the eye I think his, his link up play was was really impressive I'm quite surprised that there's not been more chatter about um, a transfer but obviously Hibs will be hoping it stays stays that way yeah I thought when I was watching it he seemed a lot more vocal than he was last season I don't know if it's just a bit more confidence he's clearly a key player in this team and maybe now he, he knows that for sure um, and it, I guess that's just another string to his bow if he's adding some sort of leadership qualities to to his game but yeah it's top play from him uh, there um, and then Hibs, Hibs take the lead um, for the first time through a penalty um, and uh, you, you're never sure on the handball pens I'm pretty sure that was always a uh, point of debate with you from previous years on the podcast but is there much complaints for Stephen O'Donnell here? Again Kevin is a bit involved Yeah so for me this one is a, a, an absolute stick on because the effort is goal bound um, mm. and I think that that's I mean it's, it's obviously harsh in the sense that O'Donnell probably can't really do too much about it I don't think his arm is well, actually, just seen it again there. His, his arm is quite uh, a distance away from his body as well. But, but yeah, particularly because it's goal-bound, mm-hmm. I think for me that, that makes it just a, an obvious penalty. So, yeah, I don't think there's too many complaints to be had there. Yeah, Martin Boyle slots it away uh, pretty easily. I, actually, I don't know. I think... can I, 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 was, I was going back and forth on this one, and I'm not sure if Liam Kelly could actually get there. I don't think it's that amazingly struck for a penalty that went into uh, the uh, the bottom corner. Um, I feel like he's a little bit slow off his line, actually. Yeah, and it's, it's not... It's almost a bit tentative the way he dives. Um, 
yeah, I think he, if he commits to it more, he potentially does have a chance, actually. And it's not, like, it's not along the ground or not too high. It's actually quite a good height for him to save. But it's, nevertheless, still a decent enough pen from Boyle, um, which, in the end, got Hibbs the, the three points. Um, deserved for Hibbs, or Jack and Motherwell could have a shout for, for deserving a point out of this one? Um, they maybe could, but then I think when you, you kind of weigh up the totality of, of evidence, if you like, um, in my view, Ibs should have already had another penalty in the game. Um, so I think Hibs kind of uh, adapted well, made some good changes and, and really took the game to Motherwell, particularly in the second half. So I think that you maybe could make that case, but for me... Uh, Hibs were the better side on show and it's I mean there's positives certainly to take from Motherwell because it's it's going to be a difficult game no matter what way you, you slice it but uh, yeah for me Hibs were well worth the three points hmm. so we'll shift on to uh, Saturday we'll shift back to Saturday where Rangers opened up their campaign with a 3-0 win over Livingston at Ibrox Um as comfortable as you like um, for for an opening day fixture for Rangers um, totally dominated the game Livingston didn't really offer anything going forward really and yeah just a, a very simple day at the office for them Oh I, I mean as, as easy as it'll come which is <laughs> obviously a weird thing to say considering it's day one of the campaign um, but yeah I mean obviously reasonably packed out Ibrox um, pretty comfortable I mean they were never in top gear I, th- I thought Rangers but um, like I said Livingston never came close uh, didn't even have a shot on target only had a couple of shots in the game uh, and one of them was a pretty poor effort that I saw from, from Jack Hamilton um, so yeah, comfy. I mean, it's, it's the ideal game you'd want before um, heading into a game in Europe. And yeah, I mean, I, I just thought as well, I mean, I'll, jumping on a bit, but David Martindale, who <laughs> obviously I've been critical of in the past, saying that 3 0 flattered Rangers. I, I don't really understand how he's come to that conclusion when his sides have just not even come close to matching the level required to even get a point let alone not be, or to win the game they've mm. not done anything to even <laughs> suggest that they had a chance to win the game so yeah that, that was a strange comment it's just yeah Rangers routine victory I and mean, we're kind of used to, to saying that that's the 20th consecutive home victory for Rangers and that's imperious for any league and any team. Yeah, I mean, what, 77% possession, 18 shots on goal. I'm not entirely sure where Martindale's getting. Um, that was to, to four Rangers, obviously, and yeah, I'm not really sure where uh, Martindale's getting those comments from. But yeah, it's, it's a bit odd in that we're kind of picking up where we left off last season in, with, with Rangers and that there's not an awful lot you can kind of say. It's all so comfortable each player, even though there was a few guys that came in, especially off the bench, who weren't 
two regular last season and Scott Wright obviously comes on quite early for Yanis Hadji and Lundstrom making his debut. Even Calvin Bassey at left back wasn't as as regular as well, didn't play too often last season. Definitely made a few appearances, but these guys just come in and uh, and obviously Sakala up top. These guys just come in and sort of fit in seamlessly uh, to to the system, which we've we've said it so often. But that's just a testament to Rangers' recruitment, and these guys are um, ready to go immediately. I, I guess. Yeah, I think the the only disappointment in terms of the the new signings is that Sakala didn't uh, notch a goal because this this does just strike you as the ideal game for a new striker to come yeah. into. Uh, your side's absolutely dominating possession. Um, the other the other team doesn't really offer too much threat, so you'd think that you were going to find yourself at least with a couple of chances on the day. But he didn't seem to get himself involved too much, which. I mean, it's not a concern really because it's it's super early doors, and you know, playing in this Ranger side, he will get chances. So, but that's that's maybe the only slight negative you could take from a Ranger standpoint. Um, for for Livingston, Martin, as you've said, Martindale says <laughs> the that the result was flattered Rangers, which is well, it's just complete shite. Um, can, can they? How how disheartened can they be with this one? Surely, it's not. Well, getting beat three 0 at Ibrox by this Rangers team shouldn't be the biggest concern. But I guess it's if 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 this is the start of a poor run, who knows? Things could get quite bleak soon. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I say, I don't want to go in too hard on any team for you know he got his tactics wrong, whatever. I mean, I think he did get his tactics wrong because um, this defensive setup that he's got here, he's got Jack McMillan at right back, which is a role he's not played. He certainly didn't play at all last season in his limited appearances. Obelai's um, first league appearance, and then um, I believe it's Adam Lewis is the left back with Penrice kind of sitting in front of him as a more defensive type of winger. Uh, it just didn't really work um, unfortunately it didn't offer the sort of protection that he was looking for especially on that right hand side and you know also limited their attacking threat severely so and, and given that it's obviously quite a new back four uh, guys who haven't played together basically at all um, from that side of things as well you don't want to be too harsh they're going to get better with time and hopefully uh, through coaching on the, the training pitch. But yeah, it's it's obviously slightly concerning to be that far off the pace, but you know, it is a special Rangers team that you're playing against and, you know, these aren't necessarily the games that you're judged on if you're Livingston. No. No. Um I guess I can kinda of touch on Rangers Champions League result. They lost two one away at Malmo tonight. Is is that a, they've obviously with without the away goals these days that's not as good a result as it used to be. Um, so what where does that leave them? Do you think is that a it's clearly a, a result they wouldn't have wanted going back to Ibrox, but it's not as nice or not a nice looking result as it used to be. So I'm not sure if they'd be a wee bit concerned. Um, I think I've not really seen the game back 
or I didn't see the goals anyway, so I don't really know if it was a two and two minutes. So I don't really know if it was just a lapse in concentration, which you can't really afford to to do in the Champions League. But that's a that's a bit of a blow, I guess, for their their group stage hopes. Yeah, I would have thought so because uh, Malmo, I, I think, are sort of, and this is no disrespect, but. They're kind of a level below the teams that Rangers were playing last season in the mm, Europa League, yeah. I would suggest. So, yeah, it's a bit of a disappointment. I think, actually, in some ways, the away goals um, being removed from the equation also kind of benefits Rangers because there's less jeopardy at home um, and you can kind of commit to, uh, to attacking more without kind of thinking, oh, we don't want to concede an away goal and kind of put ourselves in a... Um, a precarious position so I think that at home it's obviously a different scenario Ibrox obviously is a bit of a fortress under Gerrard so certainly not out of the tie at all and uh, it's a disappointing result but obviously they've got uh, plenty of time to rectify it next week mm. Right okay we'll shift on to Aberdeen 2 Dundee United 0 um, Stephen Glass getting his first is it his first league win? Match. I can't remember if he won a game last year. But anyways, first league win of the season uh, for Aberdeen. And I guess this is a weird one. Where do you start? Because I don't think Aberdeen had to play brilliantly to beat Dundee United. Um, this is, again, we've mentioned it. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves in, in either a positive or negative sense for teams after only one league game. But, geez, oh, Dundee United looked bad. <laughs> hard on them but it's it's just they're just lacking that, that punch up front um, I mean there was a couple of little uh, slack passes here and there which let them in from Aberdeen but they didn't really create an awful lot for themselves um, and it was it did strike you as a, a game where they sort of looked like they were again kind of content to just sit in see if they can nick a draw and maybe a goal on the break but that's that's super negative um, in my opinion uh, and I think that obviously Dundee United's strengths are actually at the top end of the pitch I think they've got relatively decent players in forward areas when they're all available but yeah just didn't, didn't even look didn't look super competitive and that, that will be a, a serious concern for uh, Tam Court's obviously in his first league fixture. Um, but having said that, it could have been different if they take their very limited chances because uh, Ian Harks has a, a golden one. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that dropped in and that header, I mean, it's, it's very fast-paced, but if, if that goes in, it could be a different game. You never know. Yeah, I think Shanklin's kind of lurking a wee bit behind Harks and... If you swap the two guys around, you never know. It's it's one one going at the half time there, but just it's we 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 expected a wee bit more from Dun United in that um, it was so negative last season under Mickey Mellon. You don't really know. Well, you didn't really know what to expect from either of these two managers coming in, but I think you you could. It, it was pretty fair to ask for. A bit more of a positive brand of football from from Tam Courts, and I just 
I don't know that there's something about this defence that looks really, really far off it for the standard that's required. I think the the, the first Aberdeen goal is just they look like a defence that have played well. They clearly have. Well, I guess if if you're looking at Mulgrew, Reynolds, and Edwards have played together from last season, but they just look like guys that never played together. There's just such little organisation in that back line. Mulgrew steps up, Reynolds is dragged out, and Edwards is left playing Johnny Hayes on side, who's also made a run from from left to right, and no one's really tracked that. Um, which is just so unorganised. And it's something as well, an experienced guy like Charlie Mulgrew, while the coach isn't totally experienced, he can be a guy that says, right, okay, well, I'll take a bit of responsibility here. I mean, he clearly doesn't do that. He, I don't think he looked particularly good in this game. Um, but for Aberdeen, it's just... I think people didn't want to get ahead of themselves after the, the hacking 5-1 win brought back down to earth a wee bit after the 2-0 defeat. And I think there was a... a I'm not sure if there was a load of nerves going into this one, but I wouldn't say there was full confidence that... Um, Aberdeen would turn up and produce another five-one win, but it was it was so crucial to get a goal in the first half. I think you you don't want to go and get the, the supporters a bit sort of nervy, but just a, a really controlled performance from Aberdeen. In all honesty, yeah, as well. I, I thought that this was a um, <clears throat> quite a I guess ambitious type of system where you're kind of playing a false winger in Ojo um, and then having Ramsey go obviously high up the pitch on the overlap and I thought that Emmanuel Thomas dropped in really nicely into the midfield as well so I thought that was good um, a lot of positives obviously you know Ramsey has, has lapped up the plaudits uh, since the game got man of the match uh, obviously gets a, a great assist for the second goal uh, and also obviously Mackenzie on the other side getting uh, more and more bedded in as um, as the games go by. I, th- I think that's obviously one thing that, from an Aberdeen perspective, people have wanted to see more of a clear pathway from the youth system into the first team. And I think that Stephen Glass, even if there's going to be blips along the way, which of course there will be and there already has been at the back end of last season, um, that's something that will endear him to the Aberdeen fan base more so. But yeah, it, it's a really good start the campaign like you said controlled never really threatened too much um by dundee united so yeah really positive um the kind of ideal performance before again going into europe on thursday which is a a key a key fixture for aberdeen obviously um yeah i I mean i think it's certainly winnable out in iceland and uh and beyond that it's a decent draw yeah i think when um, I'm not sure these days how much you can read into clubs' fixtures after a European game, and that I remember there was plenty of times Aberdeen would have played Celtic at Pataudry after Celtic played a European game, and you thought, okay, there's, a, there's actually a chance here, and Celtic just turned up and won pretty comfortably. And I think I don't think the, the game out in Sweden last Thursday was. And it was it was a tough game, but I wouldn't say the it was a massive workout for the players. I wouldn't say a lot of these guys came back just with zero energy. Um, but if there was a 
even a sniff of that, Dun United didn't capitalise at all. And on the other side, if you were wanting a bit of a an easy game, really, a stress-free, managed to not too much sort of running into the legs, Dun United allowed that for Aberdeen before Europe. So really un- uninspiring from Dun United. Um, yeah, the, the full-backs have been really impressive, really impressed by Ramsey and just how high up the pitch both of them play, or at least one of them at certain times, and that's one of the differences so far from from Glass, or from McInnes to Glass, rather. Um, One of the the only negatives that I saw was, um, and it happened only a couple of times in the game, was that McCrory does quite like to be aggressive and defend on the front foot, which... Mm can work but also um, yeah, I, I thought that Dundee United's two best opportunities uh, or two of their best opportunities one where Ramsey nips in and uh, clears out for a corner and also one where Harks uh, whips in across across the face of goal both come from him stepping out and vacating space in behind him um, stepping out and not actually winning the ball so that's that's one thing maybe a bit of impetuousness um, as a centre back but again he's he's learning that role more so on the job because he's, he's obviously played a variety of roles throughout his, his sort of one year already uh, at Aberdeen. Mm. Yeah, um, and I guess to what you mentioned about the, the couple of chances for Dun United as well is that that space is going to get opened up just by the nature of the way Aberdeen play now. They are a bit more um, adventurous. There are players pushing forward and it it is just a, a bit more a bit of a riskier style of play, which I guess supporters were asking for. But yeah, important win for Aberdeen. Good for them to get the um, the season started with a win. Done United. I don't know. It's uh, it, they'll be one to keep an eye on, and I don't know if if the, if things don't improve, it could be a long old season for them. Yeah, it's a lot of work to be done for Tam Courts. I mean, again, don't want to be jumping the gun too much because I was sceptical about St Johnston at the early part of last season. But yeah, this this was a, a pretty, well, a really really poor performance to start with. Mm. And they go to uh, they go to Rangers next Saturday. So no, Rangers come to Tannadice rather. But I don't oh, think yeah. I don't think it really matters where they're playing these days. I think though, it's still gonna be a well, a fairly routine win for Rangers but anyway we'll move to Dundee United City rivals in their return to the top flight Dundee drawing 2-2 at home to St Mirren um, now you mentioned at the start I've already been uh, made to look a fool with a, a, a pre-season prediction last week I said that I don't rate Eamon Brophy and most of his goals come from penalties well he scored after 4 minutes from open play and it's a pretty decent <laughs> and it's a pretty decent finish from him as well so uh, the wolf has bitten me um, but mm, I mean that yeah yeah I, I, to be fair I, I, I quite like Brophy so I'm not gonna like take to take this one to heart it's quite I thought at the time it was a decent enough signing for St Mirren and I, I, I do hope it works out for them because it, it was quite ambitious and yeah, he, I like the wolf character. I like the gimmick. So let's hope that does work out. But what I, I think, yeah, we, we need more of that in the pitch. More characters, please. Yeah, I thought I can't remember if I 
backed Dundee in a coupon here, but when I saw that St Mirren went up 1-0 so early, I was just thinking, oh dear, like that's that's exactly what you're not after uh, in your, your return to the top flight. And um, fair play to Dundee, they, they, they did get themselves back into it. Um, but I th- I'm still a wee bit unconvinced. I, I said last week I wasn't too convinced by their squad. I don't think... I've been convinced any further this week. Um, there's clearly some really decent players in there, um, but w- the, the the other players are in and around them. Obviously, guys like Adam and Cummings. Not sure some of their teammates are totally up to top flight football, but I guess again it's still early doors. Uh, these guys are still getting used to a new league, but I'm I'm still yet to be convinced. Yeah, I mean, obviously, an industrious team, um, but yeah, lacking in quality. Just when you look at the team written down on paper, um, obviously, I think Cummings and Adam are the are the two that that really stand out. <clears throat> but yeah, it, it's it's hard to know where the goals are going to come from because when I I looked at that front three that started the game, because obviously uh, Cummings doesn't even start. Um, Mullen, McGowan and uh, McMullen it's just it's lacking something I mean Danny Mullen's done okay at St Mirren previously in the top flight but it just yeah, I don't really feel like there's a lot of goals coming from that front three and, and it, Cummings brought them something different and obviously does score in the game so that's that's a positive that he uh, he came in clearly for an injured Mullen and uh, put in such a good shift aside from giving away a penalty, which is a little bit controversial. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on mm. that one. Yeah, I'll get to that in a wee bit, but um, yeah, yeah like a guy like Danny Mullen, he's not a top-flight striker. Uh, I think it's fair to say that. Um, and we were saying before we came on, like, how the hell is Christy Elliott back in the top flight after a pretty crap spell at Partick Thistle about, would it have been about four years ago now, maybe th- three, four years ago? Um, and it's a, I think it's a fairly inexperienced midfield around around Adam, and which they started with anyway. And I think that kind of showed later on with uh, with Max Anderson's red card. But um, yeah, Dundee get level up through through an own goal from uh, Joe Shaughnessy, and Charlie Adam plays a big part in that kind of just throwing his body at Shaughnessy pretty much. Um, I thought he kind of I thought it was it was his goal when I first saw the highlights because I didn't see the scorers but um, yeah the penalty I I think it's soft I think I'm 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 going to say it, it it isn't a penalty but Cummings doesn't help himself in the way he sort of again he's quite eager to, to make this challenge um, and it, it just it, I don't think he goes in properly and that's what allows the allows the uh, player to go down um but yeah I, th- yeah I don't think it's a pen to be honest yeah i think it's super soft i think when you see it in full time or sort of full speed you kind of think oh that that looks a bit dodge and then when you see it slowed down close up there's really not a lot in it he no. does put his arms across the front of him but yeah for me not a penalty i can see why he's Furious <laughs> after the awarding of that, but yeah, um, but yeah, uh, Dundee uh, credit to them. They they 
actually a really good um, equaliser from them from Cummings. It's mm. a really nice move down that left hand side. Yeah, just finally the pen when I first saw it at full speed, I did think, oh, he's clipped him white, and then I saw him going absolutely spare. Um, uh, the, the referee and the, the the man on the deck and I was thinking right okay maybe chill out you've uh, you've you've let your side down there making a poor tackle in the box but then um, yeah you can see why he's so livid but yeah it's a yeah it's a good goal and um, it is good play I think is it uh, is it um, the, 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 I think it's Max Anderson yeah it is that that plays the the sort of channel ball into um, uh, Marshall, yeah. yeah, into Marshall, and I guess that's what you're after from Jason Cummings, essentially f- picking himself up right in the middle of the goal uh, on the penalty spot, and it's a good finish. So, yeah, a, a well worked goal. Um, I'm not really sure why James McPake is going absolutely mad at something after they score. He's a, uh, you can clearly mouth. He's telling someone to fucking do something or something like that but um fair play if that's if that's the way he wants to celebrate goals uh more power to him but um i think on the 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 basis of the entire game a draw was probably a fair result um but i mean we might as well touch on the red card that's just it's it's just a a wild tackle that can only result in one thing. But quite funny in the build up to it, Charlie Adam tries to win a header and misjudges it completely <laughs> and sends himself flying, um, which was quite funny. But uh, it's yeah, there's no complaints. I don't think any Dundee player even go up goes up to the referee to to um, plead Anderson's case. So. Just take your medicine. Yeah, which it's, it's crazy that I, I really don't understand how he he can't see that himself because he, he, clearly the intention there is just to take the guy down. Um, yeah, I mean that that's a terrible tactic. It, it's gonna be certainly up there. I would suggest at the end of the season for one of the worst tackles you'll see um, like I was saying before it seems to be coming back into fashion a good old just chop someone down when they're uh, racing away um, in football but yeah the, the most um, dead cert red card you'll ever see and somehow Max Anderson and some of the, the home support were bemused by it yeah. yeah I thought that Dundee actually did okay when they went down to 10 men didn't really offer um, in too many opportunities. There's one ball flashed across the the face, which Curtis Main can't quite get on the end of. But yeah, I thought they they adjusted decently, and um, I think they'll be relatively happy with a point against St. Mirren. Yeah, I think Dundee fans are quite known for enjoying a boo um, at literally anything they can. So uh, that that doesn't take come as much of a surprise. Um, yeah, yeah, I think a draw was a fair result, and I don't think either side will have too much, too or too many complaints about it. Um, but we'll move on to the final game of the weekend, um, last and probably least. Ross County nil, St Johnston nil. Um, um, this is a this is one where, if you're looking at it from the the perspective of both sides. I don't think St Johnston will be losing too much sleep over dropping two points here, given that they've got 
an enormous European game on, against Galatasaray on Thursday. Um, whereas Ross County, I get, in a similar sense to Celtic, I don't really know what they're trying to do. Just sort of f- try and find themselves in decent positions and hope that either the cross finds a man or the, the pass finds a, 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 a aimed target. But can't really tell you what Malky Mackay's um, f- way of playing is going to be for the season, but I guess it's still early doors for that. Yeah, true. Uh, I think that the I thought Ross County were actually the better side pretty comfortably in the first half and just never um, produced uh, a bit of magic that, that was required. I think Callahan had a decent effort that goes just wide of the far post. Um, and by the way, since I didn't get a chance to, to sort of touch on that, as I suggested at the end of last season, he's a good pickup for a, a side like Ross Kearney and I think he could be really important in terms of their survival hopes, I guess we'd, we'd have to call it. I think that's, that's probably the best they can hope for this season with the current crop. I think a problem that Malky Mackay's got, as he's kind of touched on, is that there's such a a large uh, overturn of, or turnover rather, of players that he, he probably doesn't know what to do <laughs> uh, with it. Um, they're still actively recruiting. I think they brought in uh, Harry Clark on loan from uh, Arsenal just the other day, I think yesterday. So uh, still looking for a couple of bodies, but... Not the worst performance in the world, particularly second half. I think St. Johnston really finished strong in this game. Uh, obviously missed a penalty and had a, a couple of chances after that. Um, so, like you say, I think both sides will take the positives from this game. A point a, a point up in Dingwall for St. Johnston is not too bad. And Ross County, I think they'll just be happy to, to not lose their opening game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um yeah, St. Johnson definitely finished the stronger with they they did they did have the penalty which Ali McCann missed, which could have I think if 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 they came away with a th- with the three points, it would have been such a such a obviously it was going to be such a bonus for them, but I don't think they uh, they would have totally deserved that. But it would I think as I said they were happy with the point, but it's just a it's a shocking penalty for. From Ali McCann, um, I don't really understand. Was he a regular penalty taker? Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't think uh, like Stevie Mayer, Chris Kane were on the pitch at the time, so I guess it wouldn't have been them. I think Liam Craig's normally their pen taker, who again wasn't on the pitch at the time. But I don't imagine McCann's going to be on pens for uh, the next one. Um, but I'm pretty sure uh, the. Jason Kernot scored an absolute cracker of a pen in the shootout against Rangers though as well so I don't know but anyways he might have done yeah I'm not sure but uh, yeah I mean I think that it's clear to see that in my view anyway I mean St Johnston um, were playing their what I would consider to be the third and fourth choice strikers here so mm-hmm. yeah missing their two best penalty takers arguably with Stevie May and Chris Kane uh, obviously uh, probably saving them to be welcomed to hell by Galatasaray this week. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, not the worst result. I think it's a positive debut for Reese Devine on the, the left-hand side of defence. I think he looks promising. Obviously, he's on loan from Manchester United, so 
he's got to have a bet about him. Um, I thought he I thought he looked pretty impressive. Maybe maybe even an upgrade from Tanzer, um, who's obviously now at Saint Mirren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I think losing him was they probably would have preferred not to lose him. But if you were to ask them if you're going to lose up one of your your sort of key players from last season or one of your regular starters, I don't think he'd have been um, at the top of the list for players that they'd be too worried about. But um, yeah, I, I guess Thursday is the more important thing for for St Johnston, but. Yeah, as you said, for Ross County, they'll be happy they've come away with that without a defeat, and they can't, they can, they don't have to, or they're not starting the season on a on a low already, um, given the sort of mess that they found themselves in in the in the League Cup. But I guess we can sort of finish off there, uh, unless you've got anything else to add from that game or anything else around uh, around the leagues. No, I'm I'm just uh, I'm just thinking that I I desperately want to if I can at all uh, catch some of the St Johnston Galatasaray game because um, you know me I'm, I'm very keen on Galatasaray as a club and obviously it's few and far between that a Scottish team will will come up against them but um, but yeah it's, it's quite quite enticing to me. Mm, it's not being played at their ground apparently. Um, I think I don't know. no, I don't it's know been. Why. I don't know why that would be actually. It's been played at uh, Istanbul Basic Shears ground, and do you know who who it's named after? Who? Take a guess. Um. Oh God, this is difficult. I'll go for a random shout. Hamit Altintop. No, no. Think Turkish football. Fatih Terim. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Galatasaray faithful will love that then. Yeah, well, how many? Do you know, have three stints there or something like that? I'm pretty sure he's had four. Four. If I'm not mistaken. Right. I'm before we finish. I'm going to quickly Google this because we need to find this out. Fatty Ted. Absolutely. Is he currently? Is he the Turkish manager or? Uh, no, he, he's no, Gal. He is the Galatasaray manager. Yeah. Still. Yeah. And yeah, it's his fourth spell. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> First one, 1996 to 2000. Yeah. And still in 2021. I, I love the to Galatasaray, to Turkey, back to Galatasaray, back to Turkey, and then back to Gala. Also, Turkish under-21s at one spell. Well, so that's his... He's had three spells as Turkey manager, too, so... Fair enough. He, he just... He just, <laughs> he just can't get enough... Um, played for Gala for like 11 years as well for play to him um, right that's enough on Fatty Terim <laughs> I did not expect him to get name dropped at the end of this podcast but well, I wish he made like a rogue appearance in Scottish football at some point that would be brilliant you, I, you could have seen him appear as Rangers manager in like 2002 or something like that but yeah that, that reeks of that sort of thing I mean he's clearly had a couple of unsuccessful periods in Italian football yeah, which he could have followed up with a it, that would have been yeah that would have been something if he had turned up in, uh, in Glasgow yeah you never know <laughs> if things go wrong for uh, Ange Postecoglou then <laughs> the Celtic board could turn to <laughs> to Vati Terim to save their season <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god right we'll leave that leave it there um thanks for listening as always um we'll be back next week looking at the the next round of fixtures from the uh the cinch um but until then thanks for listening and we'll see you later <laughs>